With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to the Weekly Armchair. This is your special version of Talk of the League. Now, so far, you've got two United fans talking about Tuchel being sacked. We are waiting for Ladimir's Prime to come on board, uh, but we'll keep you entertained in the, uh, in the meantime. Jamie, how you doing, my man? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, I think the, the news today has been an interesting one, and it's been an interesting day for football. So, um, but other than that, I'm doing all right. It certainly has. And uh, listen, obviously, we got a couple of Chelsea mates. Um, been talking to them uh, this morning. And uh, yeah, listen, I was busy working this morning and, and hadn't heard anything. And it all came from 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 nowhere. Uh, what a mental surprise, to be honest with you. And do you think it's do you think it's justified him getting sacked? No, top and bottom of it. No, not really. Um I think if you were a betting man and you were placing bets on who was going to be the next manager, sort of post Scott Parker to leave, the likes of Lampard, Giggs, Rogers, uh, Giggs, Giggs, what am I about Gerard, um, Rogers, they're all up there way before Thomas Tuchel is. He joined Chelsea eighteen months ago. Um, they were obviously in absolute turmoil after Frank Lampard, from where a club like that should be operating. Tuchel came in and they won the Champions League. You know, they won the Champions League, they won the Super Cup, they won the Club World Cup. And then, you know, a, a, just over a year after they've done all of that, he's gone. I understand knee-jerk reactions sometimes, but we're what? We're six games into the season so far. They're above Liverpool, and Liverpool are supposedly the best team to have ever existed and played a game of association football. They're not doing too bad. They're just having a bit of a, a bit of a wobble at the minute, and, and top teams go. But what we're, see, what we're seeing more and more each year is managers falling victim to, unfortunately, this idea that you have to be instantly successful, you have to have sustained success, or you, you go down the job centre and pick it up. 
you know, your uh, employment seekers allowance, or whatever it's called these days. So I think it's a bizarre one. I think Todd Bowley's coming in and he's trying to stamp his mark in and he's made a big call. And I do think that he's got this one massively wrong. Yeah, me too. I, 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 I just, I just, you know, so, so early on in the season, I rate Tuchel. I do. I, I, you know, I give, I give our Chelsea mates some stick, but I, I genuinely rate him. I think he's a good manager, a very good tactician. And, uh, you know, was only six games, isn't it? Five, six games, six games into the, into the season. Uh, I know they had a poor result last, last night against the Greb, but, but it just seems way too early for me. And I just absolutely mad. Um, yeah, just, I just can't believe it. I mean, Chelsea, I feel have been ran pretty well over the years. Um, I know that obviously Chelsea fans would be able to tell me different and, you know, with with sort of the structure and recruitment and they've wasted a lot of money on recruitment and whatever else. But I just, you know, after spending 250 million and, and bringing players in and then to get rid of a manager that was hopefully going to, you know, these are players that he wanted. That just seems nuts, doesn't it? Imagine if the shoe was on the other foot, United did that or, or Liverpool or someone else. It'd just be uproar, do you not think? Yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, since Abramovich came in, um, Chelsea developed this, this ideology and this sort of persona of being a ruthless football club that were dedicated to short-term success. That's not, and I'm, I'm not saying that in a slanderous way to the club whatsoever, you know, whereas some clubs build projects for the long-term and they really see the value in um, keeping a, a certain team around them. Chelsea have always chopped and changed, but it's worked for them. They've brought in managers that have got them success. And then when they outlive their usefulness and they reach that point of their tenure, then they've given them the boot. What I find bizarre is that that became synonymous with the Abramovich era. But then Bowley coming in as a brand new owner, like you say, breaking the Premier League spending record for a summer transfer window for Thomas Tuchel, allowing a manager to bring in players that he clearly wanted. You know, Aubameyang's come back in and said, I was really excited to be reunited with Thomas Tuchel. They've been reunited for 59 minutes, all in all. And then they've pulled the trigger. So whatever happens next, you know, and I'm, I know we're going to come on to sort of Graham Potter and, and potential replacements. They've now got a group of players that have been brought in for vast amounts of money this summer that the new manager is going to have to play regardless of whether he wants them or not because they've just joined for premiums. So I don't really understand the logic behind it. Um, most elite managers um, get to Christmas to see where they're at, but maybe the uh, the result last night was just a bridge too far for Todd Bowley um, and he didn't see any value in keeping Thomas Tuchel. So, but I don't know, it, it's a weird hangover from the Abramovich era. Do you know what I mean? I don't know whether or not it's because Bowley's looked at what Abramovich did that brought him success and has gone, maybe I need to copy that blueprint. But the fact that you've not, you know, if he brings in someone now who then goes on and wins the FA Cup in the, this this year, or if, you know, they've managed to do well in the Champions League, whatever, it might look vindicated and people might go, oh, actually, maybe he saw the big picture. But the problem is, is that that's not guaranteed. If they now keep slumping, They've, like you say, they've lost a manager who I know people really rate Tuchel highly. I do rate him. I think he's in that good sort of bracket of really good managers. Um, I don't think he's quite at the level of some of the, the top top managers in the world, but he's clearly a very very good very good coach. Um, you know they've got rid of him, the players that he's brought in, and I think they're in for a bit of a whirlwind um, and maybe a bit of a slippery slope. 
Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ladimus. I hope you're well, buddy. Uh, just want to get your thoughts on on everything that's unfolded today, really. Um, obviously, we were just saying in the background, uh, we rate Tuchel. Um, and, you know, it's it's only been, a, you know, we're only six games into the season. And and I think everybody was shocked by that this morning. But how are you? How are you? How are you on that? Uh, hi, guys. Um, thanks for having me on. Uh, first of all, um, you're welcome. I I don't know. It's it's Chelsea fans have been divided as a fan base for a very long time for years. Um, not really agreeing on managers or certain players, and I don't know. It got it got like yesterday after the game. Like it was a very poor result. A result, to be fair, was expected at least from my point of view. Um, I think we should have started a stronger team last night and tried to go for the win. Um, I said when the group stage draw was made that if we underestimate this group, we could end up finishing second. Um, and after this game, after the game yesterday, sorry. I was like, I did, um, I did a review on Lewis's channel. I don't know if you guys know him. Uh, he's a Chelsea fan, and then I've been on like other streams and 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 Skype calls and stuff with Chelsea fans. People just freaking out about the whole thing and asking questions about what's going on. And I went to bed at like three a.m. Uh, this morning. <laughs> Woke up, been at work, and I haven't had like my phone or anything on me to check things, what's been going on. So I didn't know he got sacked. And then and the people I work with are not like into football or anything. So they don't like, they don't care or know what's going on in this part of the scene. And then I'm on break. I get, I've, I look at my messages and someone's texting me, Tuchel's got sacked. And I thought it was a joke from a rival fan. And I look through things. I look through Twitter, what's been going on. <laughs> And I think it's a bit, my first reaction was, it's reactionary. I even said this yesterday that if you sack Tuchel now, it'll be reactionary. I looked into it more. Apparently, Bowley was planning to do this. Um, apparently, they had a falling out. Uh, Tuchel's not necessarily happy about the project and stuff going forward. Yada, yada, yada. Bowley doesn't see Tuchel as being his guy to lead this going forward. Uh, I under look if he, if he wants to sack him, I get it. It's fine. I'm not as soon as I like rate Tuchel highly. I'm not necessarily going to say I'm angry about that. As of now, my thing is, what is your plan? Because in terms of the backroom staff at Chelsea, you let go of a lot of people. Yes, the majority of them weren't good enough anyway. But we let go of a lot of people. You haven't yet brought in footballing minds to run the club we still don't have a director of football our scouts are from the old regime who are very very poor we what is the plan if and it looks like potter is the favorite if you want graham potter who i personally disagree with i don't think potter is anywhere near good enough but if you want graham potter what is that based on because you don't, I'm not going to say he doesn't know football, but you're not like a, you're, you're not, you're not football. With all due respect, you're not football in mind. Like what makes you think Graham Potter's good enough? What makes you think Tuchel's not good enough? 
or even if Tuchel, even, like me thinking Tuchel is good enough, like that's, I guess, based on me being a fan, or like what makes him think Tuchel's not good enough? He, he, he doesn't have any football in mind in charge of the club or that he talks to, from what I know, that can give him advice on things. And I think the most important thing is, regardless of whoever manager we bring in, we need a director of football. The squad we currently have, and we've had for the past number of seasons, is filled with players for the most part that are just not good enough to compete consistently at the highest level. We brought in Tuchel, and for about a, a, a year or so, he, he raised up the level of these players, and we were able to uh, go on a massive run to win the Champions League, and we were able to step into big games, believing that we can not just compete, but beat, uh, beat Real Madrid, uh, beat Man uh, City, beat Liverpool. You saw the last season, the second leg against Real, being 3-1 down and going to the Bernabeu. There were still Chelsea fans that genuinely believed we could go and beat them. And we almost did it. Like, that shouldn't happen. This manager, I, it's going to come back to players that we've sacked them. I don't think there's any real plan in place that Bowley has. Because... Like if you're gonna sack him, at least wait to the World Cup. There, there'll be managers available after the World Cup, um, like Luis Enrique, for example. Mm, yeah, who could come in? And yeah, I know I'm kind of rambling a lot. I'm sorry, but it's no, just... no, no, you're you're absolutely fine. It's good to get your thoughts. Yeah. We, um, I had this conversation today. Actually, I think um, a few people in the chat mentioned Luis Enrique, and I think he would actually suit Chelsea very well. Um, it's certainly one of my favourites to take over before Ten Hag, if I'm honest. Um, I, I just, I, I do worry, not worry, obviously being a rival fan, you, d you don't want to ever see any, t any team struggle, um, at all. And, and especially with particular owners, I think, you know, United have learned the hard way over the last 17 years. And sometimes when you see other owners, it's easy to be able to empathize with another, with another fan. But I think you're right. Um, with regards to Todd Bowley and, and, and his approach, I think that, you know, he's come in, he's. He's taken on a huge responsibility. He doesn't have the right people, which w was either his fault or not. And uh, and I just I can't see that direction either. I can't see there any positive be that being any other positive changes from Abramovich. And uh, and and that's a big worry. I think there's not there's no real like before I just came in. You guys were speaking about how the the sacking culture at Chelsea, and people like to talk about it like it's kind of a negative, but. The, the best clubs in the world, like look at Real Madrid and uh, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, two of the most successful clubs in the last what maybe say turn of the century, particularly Real in Europe. I would say they have a quote unquote sacking culture of managers that they get rid of every like two to three seasons or so. But the ethos they have within their club, the ethos Bayern Munich have within their club, they have a philosophy that they stick by. Which means whenever they, if they get rid of a manager and bring in a new one, the manager... They, they've got footballing brains, haven't they? Falls, yeah, they falls in mind with that philosophy. The players they bring in falls in mind with that philosophy. And we had that in the first decade at Roman. Look at the last with like Mourinho and Ancelotti and stuff. We had that, but then we got rid of our director of football in Emanalo. And since then, the managers we've brought in... Um, we we brought back Mourinho was was a good choice, but we didn't we we stopped backing him. Things turned sour. And to be fair, maybe people can say Jose was washed at that point. 
that's probably a different discussion to have. But then we went in and brought in Conte. Uh, he got back in his first year. We won the league. His second year, he didn't get back. Things turned very, very sour. We then said we wanted to go for a different style of play, a different approach. We brought in Sarri. He wasn't properly back. Chelsea fans turned against him. And eventually, he more or less uh, got sacked come the end of the season. We then go for a rookie manager in Frank. And the excuse our board sold to us was that we have sanctioned, we have we were sanctioned, we can't sign any players, so no manager would be looking to come to Chelsea. Even though the following summer we spent 250 million or so on our squad. If any manager, or maybe not any manager, but a lot of top managers in the world of football, if you had said to them, I know we might have uh, we can't buy anyone this summer. We've got a we've got a pretty good squad. We've got these talented young players that we want to see what they're about. Come in this season, quote unquote, free hit. If you don't get top four, it's not necessarily a problem to you. You'll have the next summer to to start building the squad that you want. You could have said that to a majority of managers that would have worked. They didn't. They brought in Frank. Yeah. They ended up sacking Frank with a poor squad that we have. We go and get Tuchel. Tuchel raises the profile because. No one believed we'd go to win on the Champions League when he came in. He, he raised the profile of these players, of this club. We were celebrated by everyone in Europe, winning, you know, Tuchel winning a manager of the year. We won club of the year, celebrated how amazing we've been. Tuchel doesn't get back last summer. We bring in a, a goal scorer, yes, in Lukaku, but not a, not a forward that suits the way Tuchel plays. He doesn't get to build his squad. He wanted the likes of um, Afram Hakimi, he wanted Arlan Chouameni to come in. We were linked with Koundé to come in to build the squad. He wasn't able to last season. He wasn't able to get rid of players that weren't good enough last season or last summer. It hurt us to a detriment. In a few injuries to key players in the 11 and we fell apart. And all of a sudden, it's looked at it's Tuchel. I understand there are some things with Tuchel that have been frustrating and he should have done better with. But for the majority of the part, this squad just isn't good enough. Enrique will come in. And he'll go on a bit of a bounce. And he will also struggle because of the squad. Sorry, I'm rambling. Sorry. No, no, you're absolutely fine. This is this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, um, Chelsea in the last year or so have been in a bit of transition uh, continuously. Then, of course, Abramovich um, had all the issues that he did and Chelsea were obviously in limbo and, and he needed to get rid of the club. So I'm not sure that... Um, the club can be blamed for not getting rid of players last summer. Um, and certainly not too sure. I think obviously that's not his job. Um, but obviously it didn't leave you in a, in a very good position. But you mentioned about um, sort of getting players in and things. It's, it's a really bad time to, to sack a manager. Six games in, after one game in the Champions League, you spend 250 million on players. And it's now added, you know, you talk about getting rid of players and having a squad that's sort of from four different managers, essentially. And now you've spent 250 million more, going to have to get another manager in. And then how do you deal with that? It's, it's only going to become exponentially worse, do you not think? Yeah. Well, I still think, I, I don't know, like, maybe because I'm being optimist, optim, optimistic or maybe delusional, whichever word you want to use. I still believe we will get top four because this squad... As much, as much as it's not good enough to compete at the highest level for tiles consistently, but to get something as simple as top four, this squad is capable of doing that. Um, 
And if it's with Tuchel now gone, if I, I don't know if it probably looks like it's Potter it is that we're getting, or if it's an interim or whatever it may be, I still expect that bare minimum to come to fruition. Or after that, I don't know. Like, I, the, the, one of the big, a director of football needs to come in. Like, we need a quality director of football. We can't continue so, doing this. Only traveling around quickly. Europe. Yeah, just sorry. to interject quickly no you're right um i did uh, i was told today that um potter is the man um they have yeah. some sort of agreement and it should be announced tomorrow but something that potter was very very keen on asking was he needs a director of football um, exactly can they, can they give him that reassurance that that's going to happen sorry go on carry on yeah, yeah exactly we need that two calls himself like when paulie said two goals in charge of transfers i look at that as a bad idea May, like maybe you can say as a stopgap just for the summer, but we need a director of football. We can't continue being run like this. Like, and just splashing, because we spent a lot of money this summer and a lot of these signings, though of quality, yes, we could have found other alternatives for a little, for a little bit cheaper. But Fauna, I rate, but spending that much money on him, there are better centre-backs out there for cheaper. There are maybe, I guess, just as good, maybe not safe better. For Crocorella, I'll rate him. But for that price, there are other fullbacks or wingbacks I would rather we had bought. Like, we're overspending, and we've done this previously in the past. Last summer, we spent 100 mil on Lukaku because we needed a goal scorer, but we were haggling around on the money for for um, for Holland. You know, we, 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 we spent like 80 mil in total on back Yoko and Drinkwater a few seasons ago we needed a central midfielder you know we we spent was it 60 million alvaro morata like six years ago five years ago because we needed a striker even though the target conte wanted was lukaku and we were haggling over a price tag uh three years ago or four years ago um we uh courtois screwed us over we were looking at allison to come in but again we were haggling over money Liverpool got Allison, and we panic bought and spent seventy-two mil on uh, Kepa. We we bought Havertz two summers ago because uh, COVID had happened, and all, every other club was in kind of financial disarray. And Chelsea, because we had money from player sales, we were able to buy Havertz just because he was an opportunity to buy a potential uh, quote-unquote generational talent was the tag going around for him, even though he didn't suit how we played, and we didn't need a player like. It's just a waste of money continuously. And I hope Bowley doesn't do that. I hope Bowley understands that he needs footballing minds to help run this club. Or else we're going to end up being like, you know, like a Man United or something, just yeah. spending ridiculous money, but not yeah. doing it. We'll win the occasional FA Cup, maybe fluke a Champions League or something, but we won't do anything of note consistently. Yeah, uh, no, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, I think uh, you, you mentioned about um, overpriced transfers this summer. I think that's very much been the case. But I think that uh, with new owners coming in, there's been a lot of, obviously, um, news outlets, journalists that have said about the amount of money that's going to be there and the amount of money that's going to be under disposal. And when you're going for your prime targets, and let's be honest, Chelsea missed out on a number of top targets and they had to fall back. At this point, other clubs were then aware that they needed um, those players, uh, a bit of desperation, so they were able to um, 
sort of pull your pants down, essentially. I mean, it happened to us with Maguire. They would, they knew we were desperate for a defender. So Leicester said, look, you can have him, but you've got to pay 80 million. Exactly the same sort of things happen this time for Fafana. True. But like, I look at the way City are on, and I love, I know City are a rival to both of us, but like, we can't deny the way they're on is cl- as close to perfection as you, as you would want a club to be. City in the past, they've missed out on certain targets. You know, when we, the summer we got Jorginho, City wanted him. Instead of wasting money foolishly, like Chelsea would have done, or maybe Man United would have done, they waited another year, scouted, and they got Rodri. You know, they wanted, for some reason, I don't know why, but they wanted Harry Maguire the summer you guys got him. Instead of spending money foolishly on a different, you know, C-list centre-back, they waited, I think, two years, and then they got Diaz. Like, City do this a lot, and it's, it's just it's just so frustrating seeing the fact of we've got the money to be ran properly but we don't implement it you know properly i guess i don't it's 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 i'm not like angry a lot of chelsea fans are angry about the super sacking i'm not so much focused on that per se it's just the whole situation of how we're ran and to be fair if it wasn't for the fact that we got sanctions and stuff Roman would have sacked Tuchel as well. So we still would have been in this situation. Yeah, uh, we were talking backstage um, about obviously the next target. Obviously, I said a moment ago, it's probably going to be Graham Potter. Um, Jamie is a massive fan of him. Um, and and uh, Ladimus obviously came across that you weren't too impressed by that. Oh. Um, and, and I'm sure Jamie will come in when he, when he needs to about uh, why he thinks it would be a good appointment. But um, why would you not? Why, why wouldn't you be so impressed with that, Ladimus? And who would you rather go for? I think Graham Potter. He plays an attractive brand of football for the level Brighton are at, and that's fine. But I think a lot of football fans get what's the word? They get tricked or fooled about attractive quote unquote football but without real end product with it. Um, Brighton for a while, like, yeah, Brighton, when they, step, when they step in and play in the big games, and by big games, I'm really looking at City and Liverpool because they are the superior two teams in the league and in terms of Europe. They don't do as well against them. I look at Potter as another Brendan Rodgers, Pochettino, uh, Roberto Martinez-esque manager. He plays attractive football for that level, but when he's had to step up, it hasn't gone as well. As someone put in the comp- weekly armchair sports, um, Potter is similar to David Moyes. Yeah, David Moyes, brilliant at Everton. Uh, people talking about making a step up, went to Man United, didn't do as well. Um, Poch was brilliant at Southampton, and he started off brilliantly at Spurs, built that team up to a level where you were expecting, you know, title races and winning the league or or winning a trophy wasn't able to get over that line uh roberto martinez was praised at wigan and he even won the fa cup he goes to manage belgium and i know international football is uh, uh is a different style slightly but having the quality players you have a prime hazard you know you've got kdb in his at his best you've got the best of Alderweireld and for tongan you know you've got lukaku in his goal scoring peak and you're not able to at least get to an international final, never mind go on and win it. 
it's similar to that with Potter. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being too harsh. But to me, he hasn't proven that he's able to take that step up. And it's similar with I have someone who rates Nal Guzman, but he got hired at Bayern Munich last season. And you've seen he's still struggling with making that step up in, in these big games. And maybe it's a thing of Potter needs to go to a, an in-between club to prove that he's ready for the big step up yet. I think going from Brighton to Chelsea is a, is a major. You're skipping like two, three steps in that. That's just my opinion. So my thing about Potter, and is as much as I would love him to to stay away from Chelsea and uh, to continue developing himself, not again because I'm saying that there's anything wrong with him going to Chelsea. Um, I just think I agree with you to the extent that the step up would be incredible. Like you think he's been at Brighton for three years now. Um, he took over just after Chris Hutton was sacked, and Brighton had managed to stay in the Premier League by the skin of their teeth, like once again you know, for the second season going. Three years on now. Brighton are easy, easy top ten. One of the you know teams that you you know you, if they if they finish in the top eight, if they finish seventh or whatever ahead of whichever one of the top six decides to have a poor league season, you sort of just go, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that because the way he adapts players to his brand of football, the way he gets a tune out of everyone and utilizes the squad, I think is fantastic. He gets a tune out of Danny Welbeck, and Danny Welbeck was deemed surplus to requirements at both United and Arsenal. Yeah. The best part of six six years ago. Um, so for me, the development that he brings to that squad, I just think he's a big fan of football. I think he just loves coaching. And I don't think he'd feel the pressure necessarily of, of taking the step up. I think what you'd end up with is a, is a young, exciting manager who would play an attractive brand of football, but where results are also part of his, his game plan. This is a man that turns up and turns teams out just for fun. You don't really see pragmatism from, from Graham Potter, which is something I've seen from Tuchel his entire Chelsea te- tenure. I said back in the summer, I was like, I really think Chelsea will struggle this year. Um, everyone, when all the pundits and stuff like that were putting them in their top four, you know, they were, they were gonna f- definitely going to finish top four. I had my reservations and I've said a few times that I thought they were going to struggle this year because of the profile of their squad. They, obviously, Chelsea, you, you were very good a few years ago. Obviously, you won the Champions League because Tuchel got that, that beat out of the squad. But the likes of Kante, Jorginho, you know, you've got Thiago Silva was one of your best players last year, but he's, he's getting on. The squad itself is aging and there didn't seem to be any young blood and, and excitement coming through to reinvigorate it. And I do think that Graham Potter would actually be a good manager to get a beat back out of these players and to find a spot for them. The problem is, and I, this is what me and Mark were saying just before you joined, is that I do think the problem now is that he'll be doing that with Tuchel's squad and the signings that Tuchel haphazardly made. Because, you know, th- th- this summer, you were after Kunde, you know, there were, there were links with Lewandowski at one point, links with Rafinha. There was, there seemed like a 30-man shortlist. Barcelona pinched, you know, 25% of them. The other 25% of them didn't come and then the 50% did. And my fear now would be Graham Potter walking in and going, I don't have the players at my disposal that I necessarily would have signed. I've got to wait till January to bring in the key players. And I do think one of the key players probably be Moises Cachedo. Um, you know, you, you'd be looking at Robert Sanchez. And but I think what you'd end up long term is a project with Potter. It's whether or not Todd Bowley has the the nounce about him, the patience about him to bring a different style and a different flavour to Chelsea, different to what we've seen over the last two decades, where he gives a certain manager a set amount of time. If the fans can turn around and go, you know what, this is a a, a brand a brand new manager 
we need to accept the fact that we might not be at the football's top table for for two years. Um, will we give him time and patience? Because I think if they do, Graham Potter is a phenomenal, phenomenal choice. If not, you're going to end up with Luis Enrique. Um, you know, so it, it wouldn't surprise me someone like Lopetegui. Like even though I know he's I know he's struggling, but he's the sort of signing that that uh, sorry the, the managerial appointment that happens now. You'll get 18 months out of him. He might win you a cup. Unai Emery, do you know what I mean? These are the things that if Todd Bowley follows the Roman Abramovich formula, I do think that you'll end up repeating the same cycle every 18 months to two years. So I think Graham Potter's a really good punt. Um, I hope he stays at Brighton. I really do. Um, I really want to see him develop and not end up getting sacked in 18 months and regressing and taking time out of the game. Um, and I, I really don't want to see him go and be a massive success at Chelsea. I can't lie. But other than that, I think he's a tough, I think he's a top, top, top coach. Um, I hear you about developing players, and something I will say, I mean, I want Potter, but if we get him, I will give him time. I'm like, I'm not someone who like has agendas and narratives and stuff. I will because I know the big problem with this, uh, with the whole thing, what's going on at Chelsea, at least on the pitch, is these players. A lot of players in the squad are just not good enough for us to make that step up to challenging at the highest level, the squad needs to be rebuilt. I do. I think Potter could do that potentially if he's allowed and backed properly and we have a director of football. Potentially, I think Potter could do it. Can Potter then make the step up with an elite squad to winning league titles and winning Champions Leagues? Uh, uh, probably not. I don't know. But if he can build a squad, then he should be given at least a chance to see. And I'll like, I'll back it. I like, I'll. I'm someone who'll be patient and I'll give it time. And I know it will take two years, maybe three. And I was willing to also do that with Tuchel. But the way my fan base is, a lot of Chelsea fans didn't back Tuchel even after winning the Champions League. Like, it's very. My fan base is very volatile, and a couple of bad results from Potter, particularly the fact that the guy hasn't done anything of note on like the highest stage, the biggest level, a lot of Chelsea fans were like, will turn quite quickly if he has a few bad results in a row. Like you saw last season, Brighton fans, um, like a midway through the season, Brighton were getting a lot of like draws and losses and stuff and Brighton fans turned against him. Keen, so, um, just very quickly, Keen in the comments made a very good point here. Um, and I think Jamie alluded to this earlier. Potter has used uh, young players um, through the, his academy, through the uh, Brighton Academy, um, and obviously got a very keen eye for, for the younger players. With Chelsea and the amount of their academy, you know, they've got some incredible young players that don't ever seem to break through. That could be a real plus from that perspective, do you not think? Um, yes. I do, hopefully, but my thing is just because we bring a player through and he does a job for about a year or so doesn't mean that we don't then try and progress and get a better player than him. You know, I saw what Spurs under uh, what Poch bringing through the likes of uh, Harry Winks into their squad and not trying to get better in that midfield and they Harry, Harry Kane as well. Yeah, true. But Harry Kane's like, you know, he's exceptional. I'm talking about like the players that are kind of like, because we have that at Chelsea, getting the likes of Ruben and him coming through, the likes of Cho coming through and then doing a job for a year or so, but they're a 
true ability signs through and they're just ending up stagnating and being average. Like that's my point. Because I think I don't know, I've got a different view from our academy than the majority of people, but I don't like rate everyone that comes through our academy. I think only a few, like Mount, I don't think is that great. James has been amazing. But even he could potentially stagnate if we're not improving properly as a club. And I don't want that from him. I'd I'd got to agree with that. I think I think Reese James is is fantastic. Um I think Whereas people, you know, bang on about Trent and stuff like that. Trent's attacking is obviously phenomenal, but the guy cannot do the basics of defending well. You know, we go back two years and people used to bang on about Wambazaka's defending, but he couldn't do the basics of attacking well. And I always said, as I said, Reese James is the perfect blend of his phenomenal attacking, but he's also a great defender. And I think, you know, Chelsea have a massive, massive talent on their hands there. But I agree. I'm glad, you, I'm glad Mount was mentioned because, and I don't even mean to slate him, but I genuinely do not understand what Mount brings as a football player. And I've said this for ages, like... He's not a six, he's not an eight, and he's not a ten. He seems, you know, he's been poor this season so far. I know the Chelsea squad have been quite quite bad, but there just seems to be this aura around him that he's untouchable, that he gets straight into the England squad all the time. He seems to be the first name on the team sheet for um, for Chelsea, yeah, even though he's in a, when he's in a poor run of form. And I'm interested to get sort of a Chelsea fan's opinion on, do you think that Mount, has been overrated since he got brought back from Derby by Lampard. Where do you think he best fits into that system as well? Because everyone I ask, and they never know where he operates best in that midfield. Um, Mounts a forward. His majority of his Chelsea career, he's has been spent him playing in the forward position, either on the left, on the right, or him playing as like an advanced uh, ten, like a second striker. He hasn't, the only times he's played eight was Frank's second or Frank's half season. And that was for a few months. You know, majority of the time he's been uh, played advanced for the forward. I think he gets extremely over uh, hyped and overrated by our fan base. Um, again, mainly because he came from the academy. Like if he was a 40 mil player that we'd bought, Chelsea fans would have a completely different viewpoint his performances haven't been um haven't been good enough on a consistent basis i think he'd be a good squad player in a in a title winning team a very good squad player because he's someone who does work hard and will put in tactical performances in certain games but on a consistent basis mount should not be our best player yeah just just another quick question for you about potter before we move on i'm going to talk about todd uh, in a moment, uh, just to let everyone know in the comments, it's uh, two 0 to Napoli against Liverpool, so it could be Klopp following Tuchel uh, yes. very soon. Yes, but, uh, at least we're not alone. Let's go. Well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a ridiculous situation. I, I, I genuinely can't believe that Tuchel's gone, and uh, it's absolutely mad. But Jamie was saying back backstage, you know, if if Potter. Um, was Spanish in a different league, um, do you think he'd be a lot more appealing? I think that sometimes people get concerned about English managers that come through um, playing the football, the exciting, the attractive, um, aesthetically pleasing football. But do you think that that would be, that would be different for everyone? Do you think everyone have a different idea if he, if he wasn't English? No, I don't think so. People don't view... I know Potter is English. But people don't view Potter as an English manager. The way Potter gets spoken about is how people have spoken about 
Um, Ahval people have spoken about the likes of uh, Marco Silva when he was in the Prem and he got all that hype when he first came. Or they spoke about the likes of Roberto Martinez when he first came. He's getting a lot of hype and praise about him. He's not being spoken about like Brendan Rogers' ball job. He's English. He doesn't. He's not being spoken about like like um, Alan Pardew or Tony Pulez or anything. He's getting a lot of praise, which again, maybe it is warranted. You know, maybe I'm probably wrong and he'd be brilliant at Chelsea. But I just think taking that step up from Brighton to Chelsea is big. It's not just about coaching and developing players. There's now a different expectation. Brighton, when they go and play Man City, when they go play Liverpool, and if they lose 3-1, they lose 4-0, no one's going to get onto Potter and say, you know, he's terrible. If Brighton go on a poor run of form like they did last season, no one's going to say, should Graham Potter get sacked? That won't get mentioned by the media or by maybe some Brighton fans, but that won't get mentioned by the media. With Tuchel, like, for example, this run we've just been on, all of a sudden, he's just got sacked. Like, that that will happen with Graham Potter if he goes on a poor run. There is there's a different expectation at, Ch at Chelsea. And never mind going, having uh, taking another step up and going to Man United. Like, I don't think he, I think it's that expectation that, I don't know, I think he needs to go to another club or maybe go abroad where you have a chance of, like, winning uh, trophies on somewhat a consistent basis before he can come back in. because. He's expected to do well. You know, you can't, you can't... Yeah? Sorry, I was going to say, I've always said, I think the perfect club for Graham Potter to go to next is Spurs. Like, it just yeah. reeks of of a good opportunity for him where there isn't much pressure on him. Um, it's a big enough club that he deals with the step up but without the rampant demand for success that fans have been spoiled with. I think that's where Moise's obviously downfall was with us, was was we had such high standards. Just as it's been the same with you um, over the last, like, you know, to be fair, you know, coming on 20 years, isn't it, realistically, um, of, of, of success. And I think, like, that's why Arsenal, you know, Mikel Arteta got time because they're used to not having that success. And I think that I've always thought that Graham Potter suits Spurs. But now that this has happened... I do think that it could be an option, but I fully get what you're saying. You know, I know what you mean. I think that the next step for him going abroad could be a really good shout. Um, yeah. But yeah, exactly. We, we could have him tailor made for after Ten Hag. That'd be uh, that'd be beautiful for me. And the thing is, maybe him coming, him coming, yeah. like, and like everything I've said, I understand there'll be growing pain. So I'm not gonna, I won't be on Potter's neck after like a few months and stuff. Like he deserves two three years to properly rebuild this squad and i get that and that's fine but i know what my fan base is like and after a few bad results maybe we get banked by city or something and we have a few bad results against a, a, a bournemouth or fulham or etc etc in a year or two's time chelsea fans will be complaining about potter not being good enough and we should sack him and get another manager so, like, I know my fan base is impatient, and that might seep into to Bowley because, again, we don't know really what he's like. He might be another kind of Roman esque. Maybe he's like the Cronky or the Glazers or Levy. We don't know. So that's a big factor of an. It's not like with Roman, where we know with Roman after two, three years, we'll win a league or so, and then we'll sack the manager and get someone else. At least we knew what Roman was. 
you know, but like with Bol with Bolly, it's such an unknown that we can't I can't say anything either way because anything could happen. Yeah, anything could happen indeed. I've just got a few more questions really um uh, for you about Todd Bowley. Um obviously massive changes obviously over the summer. A uh, huge shock to everyone, I think, with obviously Abramovich and everything that came out and ha him having to leave. Um, I I've had this conversation with many, many people, some Chelsea fans, quite a few Chelsea fans. I, and this isn't me saying this because I, I want this to happen to Chelsea at all, I, I promise you that. But I, I just feel, um, and we I have to go on track record, obviously being a Man United fan that has the Glazers in place, Someone that's come in who owns, a, who owns a baseball team that doesn't necessarily know the process of football. Um, um, and obviously they do bring this very much uh, franchise-esque um, mentality with them. How do you think Todd is going to fare? Because I, I, I genuinely, I do worry for Chelsea fans. You know, so far we have seen a very scattergun approach uh, with the players that we spoke about, you know, going for top targets yeah. and, and missing out potentially. Um but I, I do worry for Chelsea fans because I think that and, until he gets the right people, and I know it's early days and, and we've got a long time yet, but I, I just, I, I'm not sure that it's going to be as rosy for Chelsea fans as they think. I understand the whole excitement behind a new owner. Oh no, we're going to get lots of money. We're going to get all these lots of players. And he certainly has done that in, in this over the summer. But whether they're the right players is still another question. But, but how do you feel he will fare? Um, I don't think, I, I think, I don't think the uh, Bowley is like, um, is bad like the Glazers and FSG and stuff, but also yeah, like my viewpoint, but like, I, I get like, yeah, but the thing is my, also my viewpoint of FSG and the Glazers, I don't think they're necessarily as bad as what they're made out to be by United and Liverpool fans. I think they're they spend a lot of money, and that money could be utilized properly if only they had proper like Man United. If Man United had a proper director of football, and you had footballing minds around the club, with the money that the Cronkies spend on a regular basis, they would be fine. You wouldn't get any complaints from United fans. FSG, the like FSG is responsible for Liverpool winning a title. Winning a Champions League. This tag about Liverpool having best manager, best defence, best everything, being amazing, is because of FSG. They had a director of football in place in Michael Edwards. They had um, Jurgen Klopp. They had the structure in place to go up there and be successful. And I think that's what we need. It's And, and to be fair, that's also what um, Roman had in his first 10 years or so. Roman, like... It, he had the structure behind him that he could put money in place, bring in the right, um, the, the right players to lead the, the right people to lead the club, which goes in place to buying, hiring the right managers and buying the right players to be successful. I think that's what Bowley needs to do. If Bowley thinks he can do everything by himself, then Chelsea won't be successful as a club. But if we bring in the right uh, footballing minds in place, thus in place, bringing in the right manager thus in place bringing in the right players, I think we will be uh, fine. So it's a knife's edge. And I don't, again, I don't know. Bowley's made a lot of promises in his lead up to buying the club. And he needs to 
you know, follow through on it. So I can't have an opinion either either way that don't know, but I, I know what I'd rather he do. And I'd rather he hire the right people in place to run the club properly. I think my thing from what I've, you know, seen and what I've been reading about Bowley and his plans for Chelsea, I think obviously, because I'm right in saying that he owns a, a baseball club um, over in yeah. America. Um, yeah. It's, it does seem to be this disparity between American franchise owners coming over and, and, and involving themselves in the English game and not being able to almost detach themselves that one sport isn't run like this or the other. You know, you've seen reports of Armando Brozier being offered a seven-year contract at Chelsea. You know, this is a guy that can't even get into the first team. Um, can't You know, you get, you get sporadic minutes here and there. But then somebody compared it to, he did it with a baseballer. You know, he's he signing them on seven-year deals because that's that's the done thing. Um, there's again talks that Graham Potter, if he agrees to join Chelsea, will again be offered a, a seven-year deal as a manager. Which the only other people I can think of that have, have been offered anything like that in the Premier League are David Pardew. Moyes and Alan Pardew, <laughs> yeah, and we know how they went. Um, I so, think I um, Chelsea have done that before, though. We did it once, and I think there was a trend we were starting to do, but we because of the player, it wasn't successful. When we signed Kepa. Sign him to a seven-year deal. And, yeah, I know, again, the player was bad. We shouldn't have signed him. The player we should have signed was Allison, And we had brought Allison in, a potential world-class goalkeeper at the time, tied him, tying him down to a seven-year deal. Like, that would have worked. So I think I understand the mindset of tying down your best players or potential best players to a long-term asset. So they're not. it's not like in two, three years' time, it's easy for them to... Uh, the the only thing I'll say on that, that I, I agree yeah. with players, but I think there's been this there's been this mentality, particularly over the sort of last seven, eight, nine years, really, where managers don't get the long term deals just because there's so much risk involved and there's so much turnover. They don't True. tend to give the managers long term contracts, so I'm just surprised um, that he might do it for that long. Sorry, well, Jamie. Well, wanna... Players, players are a weird one as well because. Long-term contracts for players are great in hindsight. Like, yes, if you'd have signed Allison and signed him to a seven-year deal, and he became the player that he is today at Liverpool, then yes, that's absolutely a fantastic um, transaction. But the problem is, is that if you sign a player to a long-term deal and they don't return on the investment that you've made in them in terms of their performances, you then lock yourself in to a long-term contract with an asset that is hemorrhaging money because their transfer value doesn't go up. They're probably on quite a lot of money. Teams don't really necessarily come in for them. We've fell, fallen foul of it so many times with players because we give them deals that are too long or we extend their contracts and we trigger the extensions to try and maintain some asset value. Look at Phil Jones. You know, the guy joined the club in, what, 2010? He's still or around then, 2010-11. Um, he's still around it in 2022. He doesn't play for us. We can't do anything about it because he's on wages, because he was on a long-term deal. So I always think it's quite tricky. Like Armando Broge has clearly, clearly got talent there. Don't get me wrong. I think I think he was great last season from what I saw. Um, and I do think it was interesting that Havertz was continuing to lead the line for Tuchel um, and Broge wasn't starting. But locking him into a seven-year deal, if you necessarily can't guarantee him the minutes, you end up with, a, again, a, a player that becomes one away. They become unhappy sitting on the bench. Their market value decreases. They're on big money because you signed them when they were a good prospect. So it's an interesting one. I can completely see the value of it if it works out. But then if it doesn't, and I think that that's where Bowley maybe needs to take his American owner hat off, you know, and his franchise owner over, over in the States and get to grips a lot quicker. And I do think you're right with a director of football coming in might help with that transition. You, you need somebody around a, a new football owner 
that knows the game. Um, and just to correct, just to, to rebuttal on one of your points, regardless of who was around the Glazers or what football people were around the Glazers, they would still be absolutely lambasted at United. Nobody would want them anywhere near the football ground because you don't need football people with you to go, the roof's leaking. We should probably fix that. Okay. Yeah. This isn't right. about. This fair, isn't fair about United. This isn't about United. Fair. Enough. I probably shouldn't have brought up United. No, no, no. It's fine, mate. It's fine. No, we, we're always it. happy to try, and you know, I, I get it from from an outsider looking in. It's very difficult to see all the sort of uh, nuances and everything, and it's very, very tricky. Um, and yeah. and obviously, we absolutely appreciate that, and it's no problem at all. But obviously, we're always happy to try and fill pe- people in. And and you're right. Um, the Glazers have spent a lot of money. Um, but with that, they've, as Jamie's already said, tied a lot of players down to big contracts. They've bought on a lot of commercial players, which are going to generate them their money. And of course, none of that money that they've invested is theirs at all. It's all been uh, the yeah. clubs. But anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, that's what, but like, I, it, I don't know, like, Bowley wanted to do, he he spoke that summer, and I transferred the open about making two big um, marquee signings. And we signed Sterling and Koulibaly quite quickly. And yet there were still talk of the marquee signings. We were linked with, remember that period? We were linked with Ronaldo and we were linked with Neymar. And obviously that didn't come to fruition. But we're like, we're still being linked with Ronaldo. And there's rumours that we could get him in January, which Tugel didn't want Ronaldo. Tugel's worked with Neymar and still turned him down as well. So I don't like, <laughs> I hope Bowley, again, that's all I keep praying for footballing people throwing this club. I don't want Bowley to go down the route of a big marquee name, let's bring him in, and it starts disrupting things in there and makes things worse. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't I, know. Um, just on that, I was, reading, I was reading something again today that said that apparently there'd been some friction already between Tuchel and Bowley because Tuchel apparently was very upfront and adamant to him that he didn't want Ronaldo, but Bowley kept trying to convince him and kept saying that he wanted him at the club because he wanted the franchise player so maybe maybe there's a bit more behind the scenes then to the second and it isn't just necessarily performance based and yep. if the, the if the stories are to be believed are to be believed you know maybe Bowley is there is is hell bent on signing you know some big big franchise but and look I just want to say as well I thought Sterling was a brilliant bit of business both yeah, for you too. and for City you know, City recouping the money they paid for him um, seven years ago and you getting one of my favourite, um, I shouldn't probably say that, should I? He plays for City. Non United players. No, that's fair, mate. He's one of mine. He's a baller, do you know what I mean? And I think that was really good business. Um, so I think that was a good sign. And I just wanted to put some positivity out there for the Chelsea. He's, fans. A, he's a Man United fan as well, Sterling. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, wow. him and, and Jordan Henson, believe it or not. Wow. You can have Sterling when he's 33 years old. How about that? No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, All right, listen, we're going no, to... Uh, wait, do you want to add anything else, uh, Ladamus? Um, I, I don't really know. If, if I keep talking, I'll probably keep ranting. So let's yeah, <laughs> No, no, just... no. But this is what it's all about, obviously. I know it's obviously fresh. Uh, the wounds are there and it takes a little bit of time to heal. But we want to we want to know how, how you guys, how Chelsea fans are feeling. Uh, you know, it came as a shock to all of us today and, uh, and I don't think any of us expected it. And I know if I was to put myself in your shoes, I think I'd be uh, pretty gutted. I think similar to Spurs losing Potter at the time, you know, there was a huge division in the fan base, um, but he did miraculous things. And I think Tuchel, to get you from where you were 
um, really at the time to get him to a Champions League final and then winning it and then doing as well as you did last season. I think he's he's been unfairly dismissed in all honesty. But it is what it is. Um, obviously, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously um, evaluate how things go over time and uh, and how Todd does over the next couple of summers. And, and we'll get you back on, buddy, and, and we'll talk about it there and see what the latest is at that point. But we appreciate you coming on, man, my man. Yeah, anytime, anything, time. Thanks, you guys, for having me on. No, you're more than welcome. Thanks very much, mate. And it's good to get your your views on it. Uh, Yeah, listen, guys, uh, Napoli, uh, it's half-time at the minute, and they're 3-0 up against Liverpool. Um, Absolutely uh, annihilating them, which is always good to see. I'm sure that we can all look at it and uh, and rejoice. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Clop out. Yeah. uh, Which which would be a good... managers are finito out here. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yes. It started with Ralph, ends with a clop. Uh, yeah, listen, anyway, thanks for joining tonight, guys. Some good comments in the uh, in the comments and uh, and it was good to read those out. And uh, as I said, thanks, Ladimus, for coming on. Thanks, Jamie, for being my right-hand man. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see what the final scores are after tonight and uh, um, we'll be able to go in at Liverpool again tomorrow. But it's uh, good to have everyone here and uh, we'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.